So I kept on thinking about the Oscars while reading this week's Torah portion, Tetzaveh. We seem to be completely obsessed with critiquing the red carpet. This dress has too much cleavage. What is she doing with her leg? What was she doing with her leg? You know, this hairstyle isn't glamorous enough. I'm really not sure about that color. Does it suit her? Many of us didn't even see all the movies. We may not have even seen one of the 10 movies, but we care about the stars and we expect them to look fabulous, decked out in their designer clothes and tens of thousands of dollars worth of jewels. And our Torah portion, Titzavim, is also very concerned with the fashion of the talented and influential. Specifically, the Torah focuses on what the high priest Aaron, Moses' brother, will wear right in the tabernacle. It describes the ritual items from the sash to the breastplate um, to multiple robes to the crown or some kind of headpiece that he'll wear in excruciating detail. And there's one section this week that particularly caught my eye. Listen to how Exodus 28 describes one of, just one little aspect of the priestly robe. On its hem, make pomegranates of blue, purple, and crimson yarns all around the hem with bells of gold between them all around. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate all around the hem of the robe. Aaron shall wear it while officiating so that the sound of it is heard when he comes into the sanctuary before God and when he goes out, that he may not die. So imagine this kind of garment on the red carpet. Aaron with his full robe and other accoutrements. Robert Alter, who's a biblical scholar at Berkeley, describes the robe as the sheer splendor of ornamentation. I love that, the sheer splendor of ornamentation. Tens of pomegranates made of woolen yarn in bright, beautiful colors attached as elaborate tassels to the hem of a heavy brocaded robe. Medieval commentators teach that it wasn't that there were separate pomegranates and bells, but that the pomegranates were hollow and there were bells inside, so that every time Aaron walked, he would ring. Hundreds of bells would ring. It's kind of a sight to think about. So when Aaron entered into the heart of the tabernacle, into the Holy of Holies, the sanctuary's inner sanctum, he came closest to God's presence that any Israelite could come. And they believed that at that moment, that intimate moment of proximity to God's intense holiness, that the high priest, that Aaron and his descendants were in grave danger, that they were at risk of death. But the sounds of bells protected them. They shielded them from harm. So the question of the night is, what's the danger? Why is it, why is it scary? and lethal to be in the center of the Holy of Holies? And why do these pomegranate bells protect him? Why does that change his status? So I immediately thought of, if you've ever done meditation or yoga, or even if you tried it once, right, often at the end of the session, the teacher rings a bell. I was gonna bring one, but I couldn't find it, but literally like, ding, right? And it's somehow, it brings everyone back together Usually that's the moment where you open your eyes and you kind of transition, you delineate between states of being. You kind of come back to awareness. And I think that's the exact same process that's going on with the high priest. 
Aaron and his descendants literally lose themselves in the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. They kind of go away from themselves. The divine fully absorbs them in that transcendent moment. They're kind of in a different place. And in that intense moment, the bells ground them. They bring them back to awareness of themselves. It's not that the bells somehow ward off evil, like evil spirits hear the bells and run away. I don't actually think that's, what hap that's what's happening. Rather, I think it's that the bell keeps them from completely surrendering themselves, from losing their sense of individuality in the intensity of that spiritual moment before God. It awakens them and brings them back to this world. So if Aaron and the priest didn't have the bells, it's like we'd lose them in the Holy of Holies. They'd never come out. And they need to kind of move around and hear, ding, and kind of, kind of wake back up to the reality and then step outside back into the community. There is a well-known rabbinic story, a midrash, that four sages intensely meditated on God's divine name until they were finally able to enter paradise. They were Benazai, Benzoma, Elisha Benabuya, and Rabbi Akiva. Benazai went first, and he gazed at the divine presence, and he died on the spot. Benzoma gazed, and he went mad. He went crazy. Benabuya gazed, and he became a heretic. He converted. And lastly, Rabbi Akiva entered in peace. He entered in peace, and he left in peace. That's how the Midrash goes. So Jewish tradition remembers Rabbi Akiva, the last of the rabbis, as the victor in this story. He had his moment in the heavens, he went up to paradise, and then he returned to the world in peace. His three companions, on the other hand, the first three rabbis, drifted irretrievably into matters beyond. They gazed too long, and they seemingly had nothing to ground them. They had no bells ringing and bringing them back down to earth. Both examples, the high priest and the rabbis in paradise, have a common theme. Judaism at its core is a religion of this world. It's a this worldly religion. We're supposed to have intense spiritual experiences. We, we want to have intense spiritual experiences. But then Judaism demands, it really wants us to come back to earth and apply what we learned in those experiences to this world to our everyday life here. The highest level that we can achieve, it's not nirvana. The highest level that we can achieve as Jews is re-engaging in the world and performing even more mitzvot, even more good deeds here. Our ultimate calling is to work to perfect the earth. And I think for us, for 21st century Bay Area residents, like the high priest, we sometimes have to get away from ourselves too. Whether in prayer, or on a long walk, or on meditation, or on a bike ride. And these are significant moments. We need those moments. But we cannot exist in them forever. We can't hide in them forever. We need to step back, hear the bells ring, whatever that means for you, and get back to work. Get back to the act of healing, of tikkun olam, of mitzvot, of good deeds in the world. So in the coming week, we'll be celebrating Purim and having our own version of the red carpet as we dress up in lots of costumes and celebrate, maybe not with much fanfare, but, but for fun. 
And although pomegranates have a rich history in Jewish tradition and are supposedly packed full of antioxidants, I'm not going to recommend that we all put pomegranate-shaped bells on our clothes so that every time we walk into work, somehow they bring us back. But I do hope that you remember that Judaism directs our spirituality towards solving the problems of the world, that we have spiritual moments only to make us better here doing the everyday work of the world. So whether in the call for tikkun olam and the aleinu for healing the world, whether in Maimonides' ladder of tzedakah, whatever, whatever tzedakah, good deeds, whatever those things mean to you in your Jewish life, or even in the clothes that we wear thousands of years ago, Judaism at its core is a religion of this world. Shabbat Shalom.